Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back out the smart. Fakes the pass all the time. Three. Bang! It's Williams straight. Bobs it up for Robert Williams. Should he know it? Hello and welcome. It's the Celtic Reddit podcast. I'm calling this one Preseason Post Game Points of View, episode 157. Tonight, the Boston Celtics lose a preseason game against the Orlando Magic, going to 2 and 1. That being said, definitely some highlights to this game, not the least of which being a starting lineup that is, I think, every fan who appreciates watching the young guys develops like wet dream, if you will. I am joined tonight, as I am very often, by a true Redditor competitor, the man that stands on Neesmith Mountain, Mr. OC, Wayne Spoony. Hey, Spoons, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. As you know, I'm reporting live here from uh, Start Neesmith headquarters, and it has been, it's like election night when the candidate (laughs) wins. Like, we got balloons, we got all sorts of stuff, we got streamers, man. It's just been a big night at Start Neesmith headquarters. We're feeling good despite the loss. So, let's dive right into this, and let's open up with our first segment for tonight, which I'm calling Three Point Takeaways. So, for this segment, I had asked you, Spoon, um, to identify three key takeaways from this particular game tonight for us to reflect on in the show. Um, And you've already kind of touched on what I imagine is going to be your top priority for discussion this evening, which is Aaron Neesmith. So why don't you get us started with three-point takeaways and uh, and give us your first, first key point and takeaway for this evening's game. Yeah, well, you're not going to believe it, but my first takeaway is Aaron Neesmith. I mean, 8 of 16, 23 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds, and he started 0 for 5. So he went 8 for 11 from that point on. I mean, I was sweating a little bit uh, when he was bricking everything early, but I just thought he looked really comfortable. He looked really in control. Uh, When the shot wasn't there, he was getting into the paint kicking out sometimes taking an ill-advised layup but for the most part man he just looked really really comfortable playing against what is effectively other than Jalen Suggs going to be the magic starters uh so it's not like in game one where he lit it up against a guy a bunch of guys who are going to be in the G League this year I mean these guys are all legitimate NBA players and he just looked really, really good on both ends, I think. I can't remember him getting really dusted off the dribble 
one time, and that's probably his big, biggest weakness overall. Um, you know, he he really tends to get beat by these small, quick guards. And Cole Anthony will bust your ass, man. He gets by people pretty easily. So uh, it was just awesome to see. He had some nice dimes, a nice little drop off to Robert Williams. I mean, I'm just super encouraged. And, you know, I've been on start Neesmith, as Forsberg said, since we drafted him. Uh, and I, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so let me let me ask you a question, because as I'm watching the game, I'm, I'm a fan of Neesmith. I'm an enthusiast. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm probably not on the top of the mountain with you. Um, but that's because I've got a lot of uh, a lot of stock that I've invested in the Marcus Smart for All Star campaign. Right. Um, so you know we got to have equal representation across the board here. But I know that what, when I was watching today, and and then when I was looking at the the stats um, at the the end of the game, just to try to get a little bit more perspective on sort of how things shaped out, Aaron Neesmith ended uh, as one of the team leaders, tied with. Uh, leading the team in assists him and grant williams both had four assists and i was surprised when i first saw that number because i didn't think of what i had watched with him as like anything he was doing to generate assists on the other hand watching peyton it felt like he was assisting on almost every single play which is kind of weird because he only ended up with two and so i got to thinking a little bit when i watch peyton and we'll talk a little bit more about peyton pritchard in in a minute when i get my turn um but when I'm watching Neesmith, rather, and he's getting some of those assists, some of them are feeling almost like accidental or circumstantial from like sort of excitability that's happening as he's trying to make a move and maybe it's not totally going the way he wants. So he's kind of scrambling and then making a dish. And with the chaos that he creates because of his activity, you know, he gets like an open um, an open Rob Williams to, to get, by the way, Rob's first dunk of the uh, of the season, which was important to get that's out right. of the way. So what are your thoughts on his playmaking ability? Are we seeing a lot of sort of assists by by sort of chaotic creation? Or do you think that I'm being a little too critical? So I, I think that you're hitting on a point in that I do not think Aaron Neesmith is going to average four assists a game, <laughs> right? Uh, one of them, one of his assists, he just kind of kicked it to Pritchard 35 feet from the rim and Pritchard pulled up and buried it. So like, that's not a real assist. I know what you mean in that he looks incredibly out of control when he's going to the rim. But then all of a sudden he'll finish with like a finger roll or that Rob pass was a really nice drop off. You read the defense perfectly, but the ball was in like his belly button. And then all of a sudden it's darting to Rob. So it's ugly at times, definitely. And he's playing too fast. And I think the magic are just not good enough to punish that. But I do like that he when he gets into the paint, he's not just looking to score, even if he's got a long way to go as a playmaker. But I do think you're right. I mean, it's certainly chaotic when he's out there. And that's part of the fun, Jay. You, you know what I was thinking about? Um, I th- it might have been John Corrales that tweeted during the game uh, something about uh, Neesmith. And I, po- like, I responded to it because it just brought to mind Gerald Wallace and I think I've brought Gerald Wallace up a couple of times because like yeah. I th- the crash dynamic just seems relevant with Nisa like he's out there and he's a wrecking ball um now that being said like where Gerald Wallace didn't have much of a jumper or outside shot to speak of he had really exceptional you know like court vision and passing instincts yeah. you know he could be a creator 
whereas Neesmith is kind of the opposite. Like he's he's better than Gerald Wallace ever could have dreamed about being as far as a perimeter threat. Um, but he's still got a little ways to go as far as the the passing IQ and and sort of being able to read those defenses time. and uh, see different Big. options available. Big time, yeah. He- the other thing I wanted to get your quick thoughts on, um, because I'm trying to be a little bit more analytical. You're you're having you're you're rubbing off on me a little bit, spoons. I'm, I'm trying to raise my game. I got to step up a little bit to match the the quality of analysis <laughs> that you're offering here on the show. Um, and I'm watching Neesmith, and one of the things I'm noticing is, especially early on when he's missing those shots, there's something that I I think I'm gonna have to go back and watch some of the highlights just to make sure that I'm seeing what I think I'm seeing. But it looks like a lot of those misses are happening when he's coming immediately off of screens. And what it looks like to me is that he's not getting squared and balanced on those shots. Whereas when he just catches and shoots and he's got his base under him, he's pretty dynamite. And he's he's raining those. But it's when he's coming off action or if he's coming kind of wonky off the dribble. And it's it also resonates when he goes into the paint and does that little fadeaway move or spin away move that he's been doing. Um, almost kind of kind of reminiscent of what we see Jalen do a little bit when he gets into the post there. Yeah. When he does that move, he lines himself up so nice when he's fading back that he's still squared and balanced, but it's just not happening on the perimeter off of screens. Are you seeing that same? Yeah, I, I actually almost wrote something during the offseason about the main thing Aaron Neesmith needs to fix are his feet. Mm on both ends and the big thing is you're dead on when he does not get squared up it can get ugly uh he hasn't had any of his patented terrible misses but you'll remember last year he would like clang two jumpers off the backboard and then swish two and that is really all about consistency with your feet and lining everything up with the basket and what you'll see him do a lot is when he comes off screens he'll catch and take one dribble He does that very, very often, and that's to do exactly that, to get himself squared because he's not squaring up pre-catch, which a lot of like the Duncan Robinson types do, is they're like almost a like jump stop and square their body as they catch it and Mm -hmm. fire. Uh, So that's a huge weakness of his, but luckily that's a pretty easy fix for sure, and it'll make him more consistent. And I mean, the way he's shooting right now, it's like, everything moving forward is going to continue to be gravy i would imagine from the celtics perspective i mean it does seem like he's not reached the pinnacle of what he can be and so the future looks bright for neesmith and uh and i'm sure it's it's a good view up there on neesmith mountain (laughs) you know it (laughs) so let's jump into uh into my first key takeaway from from this game and that's pritchard getting richer uh pritchard at different times, especially early first quarter of this game, when things were looking a little bit not great, the Magic were getting off to a, a quicker start. We weren't really finding any shots. Folks weren't hitting anything. And Pritchard just kind of made a decision at some point and said to himself, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and get some buckets now. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. and for a, a window of time there in that first quarter, he just flat out was the best player on the court. And this is getting to be a little bit of a trend with Pritchard, where at a certain point, he just kicks it into a certain gear. And what I'm liking about it is it's not just chucking threes. Like, he he can hit it from deep, right? He get, The logo mm-hmm. three is an option for him. Um, but he's, he's also, he's getting the ball over half court quickly. He's initiating offense by passing and then continuing to move. And that 
is a big fucking deal in my opinion because it's just too common we see guys bring up the ball and just hammer it into the ground while everyone's kind of standing and waiting for a decision to get made pritchard gets up court dishes and then he moves and relocates to make himself available to the ball again so it initiates and sort of instigates a bunch of movement with everybody else and then as he's doing that that's where he's often finding these assists he's coming out from like those screens underneath the basket getting the pass coming out of the post and then dishing back out to guys for like open threes or then you know fakes and drives so i'm just seeing a lot of really heady play um and, and a guy that's just demonstrating a lot of poise and composure out there. And again, when it looked like for a second, the Celtics might not have any shot at making this a legitimate game without any of their core players, starters, and vets, yeah. he really seemed to settle things down and say, no, 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 no. guys, we're going to go ahead and play basketball tonight. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at that. Um, and I'm going to help you guys all look really good at that too. And at this point, after what I saw tonight, and he only played one half because then somewhat like the Magic have some kind of like injury gate agreement they made in their <laughs> locker room where they were going to break everyone's nose on the Celtics. I don't know what happened, but Pritchard was a victim of that as well. And so he didn't even play in the second half, but I don't think he needed to at that point. He probably was only going to get a couple minutes regardless because at this point he's made his case. And I'm starting oh, to yeah. think that at this point, Pritchard has almost established himself at the point where Dennis Schroeder is going to have to demonstrate an ability to play with him as opposed to the other way around. Um, you know, I know that they've got very different games, but in the time that we saw Dennis Schroeder playing the other night, and granted, we've seen a very limited sort of window of, of him playing on this team so far. But for all the chemistry he seemed to already have with some of those starters and Corvettes, he really didn't have any idea of how to work with that bench unit. And things got real messy real quick. And it wasn't until he got pulled out of that game and Pritchard kind of took the lead that we came back and actually ended up winning that. Um, I think it's going to be up to Dennis to be able to demonstrate that he can be on the court with Pritchard and be effective, which given the way both of their games work and operate, I'm worried that Dennis coming back and being a focal point of the offense is going to take the ball out of Pritchard's hand and actually start undermining what makes him really effective with that second unit. But... I'm going off on a tangent a little bit. Uh, no, what, no, I what are your love thoughts it. on what you're seeing from Pritchard? Um, you know, even if not just today, but over the course of this preseason so far. Yeah, so I think you you kind of hit on this point we were talking about Neesmith's passing a little bit. At Pritchard, it's surprising he only had two assists, but I think when we go back and watch that first half, I think you're going to see all of our healthy, good possessions. Start with Peyton Pritchard making that first pass that gets the defense moving and opens things up for everybody else. I mean, he he was so in control of the offense in a way that I've not really seen in an NBA game. He did it all summer league, uh, but against legitimate NBA competition, you're right. I mean, he really looked like the best guy on the court. And I think as far as Schroeder and he go, I do think they're pretty good fits together because Pritchard's shooting is so deadly. And I do think, I mean, the problem is Schroeder's terrible off ball. So you're right. I think it will take the ball out of Pritchard's hands. Uh, but I think that he still will get enough reps that uh, it. I don't think it'll stunt his development. But I will say Pritchard's far more important to the 
to the future of the Celtics than Dennis Schroeder is. Like, we don't have his bird rights. There's no way Dennis Schroeder's on this team next year. Right. Peyton Pritchard is going to be here for a decade, right? So if Schroeder is truly detrimental to Pritchard, I mean, we're incentivized to say, you know what, Dennis, take a seat, buddy. We're handing the keys of the second unit to Pritchard. And I mean, I'm super encouraged. I I had some worry about his ability to like attack and really get the defense uh, to collapse so he can hit those kickout passes. But he's doing it, man. And damn, do those logo threes look good (laughs) when they go in too. And they go in a lot. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm very encouraged by Pritchard. I, I do think there is something too, like, hey, we've got a lot invested in this guy compared to Schroeder. So he's just a much more important piece to this team. So why don't you step right into your second key sure. takeaway? It actually works perfectly. So my second key takeaway is ball movement. And Scal had a stat, I think sometime at the beginning of the second quarter, that 90% of our assists in the preseason have been assisted that is insane it won't stay that high but that is just like such an indicator of having a healthy offense and moving the ball uh because it's you know you're getting into the paint you're driving and kicking you're swinging the ball around guys are getting wide open threes because usually an assisted three is generally going to be open and it you know the ball is popping even with the second unit that started like they were moving the ball around they were doing their best you know it's we've been a little turnover heavy but i'll take turnovers especially in the preseason over a stagnant offense any day well and ultimately the turnovers ended up not being catastrophic until like the end of that fourth yeah. quarter when things got just too loose but that was but not basketball. i think going into <laughs> halftime it was only seven or eight turnovers which i mean still maybe a little bit higher than you'd like it but given the dynamics and again not having any of your core starters and vets um yeah i thought we did a pretty nice job of handling the ball um and right it you know and so at first when you said all of our assists have been assisted i got confused i'm like wait i'm too dumb i'm I'm sorry i'm too dumb to understand what that means but you're talking about like the hockey assist like the assist of the assist 90 percent of our threes have been assisted gotcha all right. My bad, dude. I'm, so- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. We're just inventing new stats over here. Like that's what we do. Yeah. Like what? You know? It's it's, it's late in the East Coast. <laughs> it's late on the East Coast. All right. <laughs> so yeah, all of those threes are are coming off of passes after usually some kind of penetration. Um, you know, the ball is getting inside. It's getting outside. It's not necessarily always moving side to side. But you know what? I've seen in previous years with this team where sometimes the only movement we're getting with the ball is just like side to side on the perimeter with nothing going inside. So there's, you know, we talked earlier um, in the earlier before preseason in our off season temp check, we talked about the impact that Ime might have with this team. And I think one of the things we're seeing right off the bat, right. Is that ball is getting its way into the paint, whether it's through, you know, dribble penetration or, or passes it's getting, into the paint before it's popping right back out. And we're getting a lot of good looks as a result of that. Yep. Exactly. So I'll jump into, into my second point, which is um, I wanted to bring up Rob Williams. And what I liked about Rob Williams is that it looked like he finally showed up. Uh, You know, I don't know if maybe his alarm didn't go off for the first couple of games and, you know, he was he's waiting for a ride or something. I'm not sure exactly what was going on, but he was in the house today. Um, he made his presence known. 
he got his first dunk, as we mentioned, which is important. Uh, I know Chris Forsberg had mentioned like he hadn't dunked yet, and that's not okay for Robert Williams. He was like 0 for 7. Nope. Uh, so tonight, 4 for 5. And as part of that 4 for 5, obviously a couple of buckets in close, um, one being that dunk, one was like this really just remarkable little tip rebound back in, uh, offensive yeah. rebound on the break, which was like one of those plays that only a guy like Robert Williams can and will make. But then the other two buckets were those little mid-range, like, I don't know, maybe 12, 15-foot jump shots there, um, you know, just under that, the you know, the corner of that free throw line there. And, you know, he's been taking those so far in this preseason. You know, we saw him take a couple of them here and there, uh, you know, yeah. last year, but he seems deliberately like he's looking for that shot this season. And, you know, it doesn't look half bad. You know, no, no. Someone, someone on Twitter was like making remarks like, "Oh, this is part of his game now." And you know, I'm not quite sure I'm ready to go that far. Um, but it was just good to sort of see him like just getting that energy back a little bit, where he's flying around the court. Um, you know, he's got that those twitch passing instincts, which are just I don't even understand how he does it. His computing power in those split second moments when he barely has even possession of the ball to get it to the guy that's open right there is you know it's just it's it's incredible to watch like i just love seeing it and i saw that more tonight than i've seen in the first couple of games he just seemed more active more vibrant and i wonder if a little bit of this of what we've seen to this point has been him kind of trying to more gradually get himself going um, not overextend himself early, try to save his legs and save that body a little bit. Like he generally seems to be staying on the floor a little bit more. Um, like we haven't really seen him explode at the basket yet. And again, no. I'm not sure if there's like a a more problematic reason for that or if it's just, again, him trying to be a little bit more cautious and reserved, especially early on, um, just to be mindful about his body, where he is, um, you know, the couple of times he did get up off his feet, he was getting, you know, he's getting juked out on the perimeter. So he's got to watch that. You know, sometimes he yep. still goes out there block, uh, chasing blocks. But, you know, it, it was like the first sign I think we've got so far in the preseason of Robert Williams that we got used to last year and that we're really hoping is going to be here for the long haul this season. Yeah, and you have to be careful when you're that explosive. I mean, Rob's had injury issues. I think Blake Griffin talked about how he had to change the way he played, even though he was still as athletic, because he just would not have lasted as an NBA player if he was still flying around every game like he was doing. So I'm I'm fully supportive of Rob sort of using his insane athleticism in spots and not every single possession he just flies all over the place and you can even become a better player that way you know you don't have to jump as high as you can every single time right you can still contest the shot really well and to your point like rob sometimes does that and it takes him right out of position and we get scored on so i'm fully supportive of rob kind of understanding when to unleash the full hundred percent time lordness uh but yeah his passing is just nuts man i he sees the game at such a high level and it's such a unique skill for a center that i think it really throws teams off that you can kind of like dump it and usually 
it slows the possession down for a lot of teams. Then all of a sudden Rob's pinging a pass to an open shooter in the mm-hmm. corner. I mean, it's just beautiful. It is. You know, and the other thing that I like is he's got that those good instincts of when the ball comes to him and he is down there in the paint where he goes he'll he'll go to straight up with it. Um, whereas yep. like a guy like I remember Perkins used to drive me nuts because he'd always bring the ball oh, down man. below his knees. Dribble. Right. Yeah. Cantor yeah. does the same One thing. Dribble. Cantor drives me nuts. He he does like and Scal didn't call him out on it. I don't know if it's because Scal just is maybe losing his touch. I don't know. You know, Scal's, you know, maybe maybe he's sick. Come on, come on the show and discuss. <laughs> yeah, because uh, like Cantor was double double dribbling on like every offensive rebound that he got, and and no one wanted to call it, and that's fine. Whatever, I'm fine with it. But um, don't 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 come at all of us fans like you're the biggest world's greatest expert on the game, and then not call a double dribble a double dribble. You know, enough already. But Rob's got that great instinct of always keeping that ball up, going straight up with it. Because um, big men that bring that ball down drive me nuts. Uh, especially because I'm a short guy. Yeah, so it's like yeah, I envy he, all the tall guys to begin with. I'm like, man, if I could keep the ball right. up that high and avoid having it stolen from me, like, how do you ever give that advantage up willingly? I know. I know. And he was one of the best, uh, most efficient putback players in the league last year. So that's to your point, man. He just goes right back up no messing around no tristan thompsoning uh he just puts it in the bucket but i can move on to my third point here if you'd like jay uh so my third point and we don't have to spend too much time is solid skinny grant he's just been rock solid man i mean he's got good for one boneheaded play a game but for the most part he's in the right places he's moving a lot better on the perimeter He's not his shot looks great, man. He's shooting that thing with confidence and he's just playing his way into a role on this team when last year, I mean, he's like saving his career at this point because he was really on thin ice at the end of last season. And I'm just happy for him, man. He's a good dude. And he's I think he's going to be a nice, solid contributor. He's definitely taken hold of that backup power forward role. Yeah, and given what we've seen from some of the other guys that we're not really talking about tonight, you know, he like, he really, you know, like he really has, he's, he's taken this opportunity and done exactly what we've been kind of hoping and waiting for. I thought tonight was night nice too, because it wasn't like he, he got a whole bunch of buckets. Like the other night he, you know, he got what 12 points um, 12, on some yeah. good shooting tonight. He didn't really shoot that great. Uh, one for five, what one for two from three. So he did hit, you know, one of his two threes that he took and, and the shot just looks better. It continues to yep. look improved and smooth. Um, but it was the fact that regardless of his scoring output, four rebounds, four assists, three steals, a block. Like he was just, he was all over the place. He was giving Mobamba headaches. Most important. Only two fouls in 27 minutes. Two fouls. And Bombo was looking for those fouls. <laughs> oh, yeah. every t- And we could hear it on the broadcast. <laughs> yeah, because you couldn't hear the crowd. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Throw- Shout out Orlando. <laughs> Shade getting thrown at Orlando. You know, I bet you'd hear the crowd if it was double dare going on over there. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so... So that brings, we'll, we'll transition to my third point. And I saved my favorite point for last, which is to talk about, um, I think everyone's darling right now, which is Romeo Langford. Um, you know, if, if there was uh, a hill that was trying to be the mountain that you, sir, stand on, it is, you know, the hill that is Romeo Langford and his growing uh, and enthusiastic fan base. You know, 
I really liked what I saw from Romeo today. And I, I feel like I liked what I saw from Romeo today even more than what I saw on Saturday night. Granted, you know, Saturday night, he he scored more points. He shot better. Tonight, he was 0 for 3, um, 4 three-pointers. But I kind of like when that when that happens, because then I like to see what else are they doing? Are they just continuing to sh- you know sh- shove them up there and, and, and try to get those numbers back up, um, chase the average, if you will? Um, or are they just, again, looking for natural ways to positively impact the game? And in the first half, you know, he was doing some of that same stuff. He was taking good open looks outside for three. It wasn't like he was taking bad shots. The shots look good, although they look good out of his hand. He did have like two rough looking, mostly air balls. balls. Yeah, he had two air balls. So so that happened. (laughs) That's all right. It happened. Yeah, that's okay. They look good coming out of the hand. I'll tell you that. They did. Yeah. You know, those that follow through is paddle friendly. I'm telling you, his feet, his feet were wonky on one of them. Take a look, man. One of those misses. His feet were wonky. And you know what? If I'm going to call out Neesmith's feet, I better be willing to look at Langford's feet as well. (laughs) I better be. That's right. Um. So, you know, the the shot wasn't going for him today like it had been, but I like that he was still attacking the basket. And what I'm especially liking, and I and I saw even more of this in the second half. So in the first half, we saw a little bit more, you know, attacking the basket. You know, those they're they're not really floaters, but they're also not not floaters. I don't know what we're gonna call this niece or this Romeo move when he we cuts to the basket. Flay ups, flay up. I like flay ups. Layup. <laughs> yeah, Romeo flay ups. I love that. Um, but they're working for him. What I liked in the second half that really cemented um, this being the game that I've so far appreciated from Romeo the most is Peyton Pritchard was out, and I, I sent you a message at halftime saying, "With Pritchard out, second half is going to be a disaster. This is going to be a mess." Yep. And I'll tell you what. Romeo stepped in and provided some of that sort of, you know, leading playmaking role and he did okay. You know, what I'm seeing from Romeo is like poise and staying under control, even when he's going at the basket. So, so kind of contrary to what we're seeing from Neesmith and that's not shade at Neesmith. That's just speaking to how they're kind of different players with different skill sets. No doubt. But like, no doubt when he's getting into the paint, like there's no point where you feel like he's out of control and isn't able to make a thoughtful decision. Now, sometimes he makes the decision to go up for it and it's like, "Mm, there might've been some options there, but I'm noticing that he's got his head up and he is looking for the options. Like you can see that he's working through it and he's clearly paying attention to trying to be a playmaker. And for a guy like with his size uh, and his, his just natural ability, if that becomes a part of his game and he can kind of have some of that back backup or supportive facilitator playmaker ability and role. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Like what, what a, what a just gem to have on a second unit right there. I mean, talk Jay, about spoils you, of riches. Yeah, I know. Really? I mean, we got these two young wings. You literally, when you said you told me we were going to talk about Romeo, you just made the point that was like, I'm going to make this point, man. Like he I loved how much he was attacking. And you're right. Like he does not rush anything. He's really in control. He does make the wrong decision a little too often right now, but that's okay, man. He's only played like 50 games, right? So the fact, the hardest thing to do in the NBA is to get into the paint and put pressure on the defense. And Romeo was basically doing it at will. I mean, 
His jumper will probably come and go this season, but it's already way better than I thought it would be at this point. And if he can keep his three-point percentage respectable, he does have that ability to be sort of a secondary playmaker. Like if you swing it to him and somebody's running at him, he'll go right by him, get into the paint, and you know he can finish at the rim too, man. He's got some tricky, goofy flayups that he'll throw in. So, I love it. Uh, I, yeah, I I agree, man. I this I am much more impressed with this game than I was last game, where it's like, yeah, his shot was falling. Of course, he's gonna look good, uh, but this one, he he really just looked like a different player than the guy we saw uh, at the end of last season. Yeah. And I think, you know, the overall theme for this game was, you know, with already going into it, knowing Jalen was going to be out and then getting the unfortunate news that Horford was going to be out for health and safety protocols resulting from testing positive for COVID. And then Tatum, Smart, Dennis Schroeder, Josh Richardson all being out. It's just the kids, (laughs) you know, that, you know, Ime gave the kids the keys to the car and said, let's, you know, let's go for a road trip and see how this goes. And they did all right. Again, you know, yeah. it, it turned ended up being a one point loss. But you know, I don't know that it would have been a one point loss if we didn't go all the way, like what, fifteen, sixteen deep into the yeah. the magic. We're putting like starters back in in that fourth quarter. Cole Anthony played the whole fourth quarter <laughs> <You know? laughs> against matched up against Theo Pinson. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So it just seemed like everything we could have wanted from this, as far as it being an opportunity for these guys to really showcase what they can do and. And for several of these guys who last year were really getting shit on by everybody. Yeah. Even even yep. even their own fan base saying ah, you yeah, know, it's not really Especially. there. Especially. Right. <laughs> yeah. To to be able to see these guys, you know, for, for Pritchard and for Neesmith and Romeo, who, you know, and Neesmith and Pritchard more than Romeo, perhaps, where they really excelled in summer league, to extend that now into the preseason. And, and the Romeo joining the party now and almost, you know, taking it to another level now that he's in preseason. It's like he really just started, you know, opening up his game and showing what he can do. Um, it just you could I don't think you could have asked for a better showing from these guys. They showed a lot of poise. They showed grit. Um, They're working together. Like you said, that the ball movement, we're seeing it. This team is clearly demonstrating an early commitment to doing things different than they have in, in the last couple of years. And it's just no really doubt. exciting. Agreed. Agreed. So I want to transition us to a couple other segments quick before we close up. Um, the, the first thing I want to bring our attention over to is a segment that I want to call the media post-up. And this is where we take a look at uh, an article that's been posted in the sub that, um, you know, we just want to unpack a little bit and process a bit on. So the, the article in question for this segment is Mark Spears, uh, article that he had done and posted with the undefeated all about Tatum and Tatum's focus on becoming top five. Uh, but now with or without the cut. So, you know, the last (laughs) couple of seasons, Tatum has had that mindset, that mentality. Once I get my cut, whenever I get my cut, I'm top five. But now he's taking it to the next level. He's saying, doesn't matter. Whatever the cut, I'm top five. And so I like just seeing that general energy from Tatum. I think that's what we need to see, right? You're your top 
superstar player needs to have that swag. Um, yep. The nice thing is, ever since his rookie season, he's always kind of walked more than he's talked. And so the fact that he's you know chipping chipping up a little bit now is exciting me because this isn't a guy that really talks out of his face if he's not confident he's going to be able to do something about it so i have every reason from my perspective to buy into this like all the stock like all like to the moon diamond hands i'm going nuts baby like (laughs) everything (laughs) i'm third mortgage on the house i don't even own yet so i'm ready to go all in um you know and in the article uh, you know, it, it talks about just his sort of his his focus on that, but it spent a lot of time also emphasizing the impact of him being so close to KD during that um, Olympics this past off season, and what he learned from just seeing how KD was committed to all of his different routines pre and post game, and uh, his mentality into how he prepares as well as how he plays. I'd love to get your thoughts and sort of, you know, what you took from this article, what you're expecting from Tatum this year and anything else that kind of stands out to you that's that relates to to what we got exposed to by by Mark Spears article here. Yeah, so it it's interesting that he came out and said this after the way he played those first two games. His shooting has not been great. But I just made a video, it's on the Celtics Reddit podcast, uh, YouTube channel, about Tatum's decision-making. And to me, he has looked like a guy that is a superstar when he's played. He's making the right decision almost every single time, and most importantly, he's making them quickly. And I think the last step to become kind of that true, you can win a championship with this guy, superstar, is you know if you imagine the court as a chessboard right and all the players are pieces the superstars are the player right they're not one of the pieces they're the person who's controlling the pieces and he has just looked so damn confident when he's out there just like i know exactly what i'm gonna do i know what you're gonna do and i know what i'm gonna do in response to that and i'm just super encouraged man like i was super high on his season I mean, I think he's going to blow people away this year. I think his passing has been incredible. His jumper's going to come, and he's a great defensive player. Like, what else is there? I mean, he's going to be awesome, man. And his mentality is clearly he is extremely confident in his ability to do that. And you don't see that ever from Tatum. I can't remember him ever having a real quote to a reporter like that where he's like, I'm going to be a superstar this year. I mean, usually he's just like, just going to work hard and, you know, all the, he's, he's a basketball robot. He never, <laughs> he's yeah, exactly. Yeah, notice. seriously. He's like, yeah, I'm here. I am here. Uh, so he's, he never gives any quotes like this. So I am super excited, man. I can't not wait for the regular season to start. I can't wait to see this all play out. The chance to check out the, um, you know, the, the video content that you had put out there on the Celtics Reddit uh, YouTube channel, definitely take a couple of minutes and and check that out because it does a great job of of really isolating key plays throughout a couple of the early preseason games that showcase that emphasis that he's been putting on playmaking and creating for others. Um, you know, it was a great piece that you put together, and so yeah, definitely encourage folks to to check that out and and be on the lookout for additional oncoming content from you that uh, continues to just help all of us better understand all the the things that are happening out on that court that we enjoy watching so frequently. 
Um, I, I want to take us into uh, one final segment, and you know this one. This is this is a regular one for us, where you know we do the the Reddit recap here, and we we identify a couple of key either posts, uh, submissions, or comments in the sub that stand out that we like to just kind of riff on and and, and reflect on. And for tonight, uh, you know, we had identified uh, a post put up by user GMB one five eight. And the post was the C's are underdogs again, right? We're we're starting to get pretty familiar with the the Celtics being the underdogs going into each season. Like we can have all the enthusiasm and optimism in the world, but most of the time, everyone else across the league looking at us is like that six to eight seed, like good enough that we're not going to get a lottery pick, but not really good enough that we're going to be seated well enough to be competitive at the highest level. Um, so. I'd like to just go right to you, Spoons, in this particular thread. Uh, you know, who threw, who had some comments that were standing out to you? Sure. So, user indecisive dude eighty seven has an extremely decisive comment. Uh, he has kind of two points here. The first is why do people act like Udoka will be better than Brad from the start? Brad was a top five coach. He was effing great. And I've, you know, I've discuss some skepticism with going from Brad to Udoka with you. I hit you with those Nate Bjorkren quotes <laughs> earlier in an earlier pod. And I, I think he's hitting on a real concern. I mean, Brad was an awesome coach. You saw him. I mean, he kept us competitive against that Nets juggernaut, despite not having like three of our best players. I mean, he is a phenomenal coach, but I'm coming around on Udoka big time, man. The way the balls move in. And tonight we switched a lot less. So that scared me the first game when we were switching everything like insanely. So I, I liked our coverages tonight. There was plenty of switching, which we're always going to do, but they were a little less aggressive, putting guys in a little less crazy positions like Cantor guarding Cole Anthony, like four positions straight. So I, I'm coming around on Udoka, man. I've not seen anything to call into question his ability to be a good coach. Obviously, we won't know for sure until the play off start but i think we're gonna have a hell of a regular season with ime at the helm man and the guys are playing for him too they're playing hard so why don't you uh take us right into another another comment that stood out to you user decisive dude 87 makes another point right talking about us being underdogs there was some talk about how why can't we be like a dark horse contender and he basically says the conference is a lot better our roster's not bad, but we don't really have any high-end, top-end talent other than the Jays. Who's our third-best scorer? Who outside of the Jays is able to create for themselves? And then user A Kelly ninety six says, "This concept of true contenders is such a loaded term. You can't say who a true contender is until it actually happens. Nobody thought the Suns were going to be a real contender last year, but they bounced the finals favorite Lakers in the first round and went on to the finals." For all we know, the Jays could take some leap and we could be a top-seeded team. So I think he's hitting on a really interesting point there, right? Like, you're not a contender until you are. The, the Bucks weren't a contender until they won 60 games, right? We knocked them out of the playoffs. Or they, they lost in the playoffs in, like, the second round for a couple years straight. And then all of a sudden, Giannis hit that next level. And now they're in Easter Conference Finals and ultimately... NBA champs, man. So if Tatum 
does take the leap to a superstar, Jalen's going to get better. And you've got this kind of swath of NBA role players and all these young guys. You know, it starts to look quite a bit like what Phoenix had out there with all these young guys off the bench and Bridges and uh, Cam Johnson. Obviously, you know, we're constructed differently because we don't have an Aiton type, but the general principle of a superstar, a secondary star, and just a bunch of damn good players. I mean, that is the construction of a lot of NBA championships. So it really comes down to if Tatum and Brown do take a jump, why the hell can't we be contenders, man? What? Careful spoons. Why not? <laughs> Careful spoons, because what are you doing right now? What are you doing? Because I get my expectations too high. Well, but and that's fine. I'm I'm not discouraging that. You're you're on the right track, my friend. But in right. in, in recognizing this team's potential capacity to achieve at that level, you are sort of passively inferring that. This team, as currently constructed, with a very particular person smartly oh, assigned no. at the the point guard position, <laughs> smartly <laughs> assigned. Damn it! <laughs> I I I think Marcus is going to be wonderful and have a wonderful year. Al Horford's <laughs> our third best player. You said it yourself today. <laughs> mm, yeah, no, 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 and and I did. Um, that was that was off the record, mind you. <laughs> so thanks for blowing the spot up. But um, no, it, you're you're referencing the the power rankings that I had uh, that, that you I did posted earlier in, yeah. in the general. Uh, yeah, the 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 sub there, because uh, really, again, having watched two games with Al, it's just it's clear when he's on the I floor, know. he is the third best player on the floor. Um, regardless of yeah. what he's doing, he just is. Um, he's so good, and it's 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 just lovely to see that again because you for, you forget a bit, you forget it, and then you just hear all the narratives about oh he's old he's he's washed up he can't move anymore, and it's like then you watch him play you're like wait I remember this guy yeah <laughs> this guy's and, really and good at basketball. Al is such a stats do not tell the whole story type of guy. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't have a crazy stat line last game, but he was awesome. He was awesome on both ends, man. I'm so glad he's back and looking healthy. I can't wait. One of the comments that's, that stood out to me was from user Captain Cumsock sixty nine. <laughs> you just you know you just you just pick them you pick them for the names, man. Listen, you had the like people Pimply know. Glass the people Jack know. Cock last time. <laughs> people know me. All right. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, so he, he, he or she, I'm not here to say who's who. Um, yeah. But Captain Comstock 69 uh, wrote, I don't get it. Being eight to 10 wouldn't surprise me either. It would just disappoint me. I'd be more surprised if they were a one seed. I expect them to be in the three to eight range, to be honest. And I like the realism in that, right? Like, Ultimately, my enthusiasm and my optimism is such that I expect them to finish at the top, win the championship, Marcus Smart to be a finals MVP, like all of these things. That's what I have in my head as far as a narrative. But I'm also, I'm not completely out of my mind. All right, folks, I'm not completely out of my mind. If only because I know that I am out of my mind. And I'm, I've been <laughs> led to believe that that's a good indicator Right. All right. So I'm going in some circular reasoning, but no. Yeah. yeah. But I understand. Yeah. Can you be crazy if you know you're crazy? You know? No, of course not. <laughs> yeah. So I I just like that Captain Cumsock 69 is keeping it pretty real. You know, uh, keeping it 100 and and letting us know that really success is a spectrum. 
and and we've got to be ready to appreciate at whatever you know uh, edge or uh, part of that spectrum we fall within. We you know we clearly have talent and the potential to be really good. Um, and with some of the other things happening throughout the league, especially with some of our uh, Eastern rivals. Um, although it sounds like the the Sixers are getting Ben Simmons back, that's another pod that we can maybe try to dissect that or not. Because who knows? I don't give a damn. We'll beat him anyway, especially because we've got Papa Al back. <laughs> yeah. um, but w- just at the same time, though, we've seen this team stacked to the brim and still underperform. So um, you know we're seeing some good signs yeah. and some good indicators early. But I think that it's fair to keep you know keep our ultimate expectations I- and and. Be present in the moment, right? Like appreciate the ride is is what I yeah, feel no. like that comment's saying, even if it's got a uh, really uh, egregious username attached to it. Yeah, it's a nice, solid, crusty take from Captain Cumsock. So uh, I will say I would be shocked if we're 10. I mean, if we're 9 or 10, that probably means we got ravaged by injuries and then you've or got COVID. to adjust your expectation. Yeah, or yeah, or both the like last COVID's. year. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I, I would be, we're addicted to catching COVID. It's frustrating. Uh, but I would be shocked if we're nine or 10. But yeah, I could see us at six. Absolutely. Uh, f- four, five, six, I think is probably, if I had to make a prediction, I'd put us r- right around there. Um, but I do think if Tatum takes a step, we're good enough to be right up there with the Milwaukee's of the world for sure. The the last quote that stood out to me for this, um, and, and we'll wrap up after this, but was from West Fast. And West Fast wrote, it's deserved based on last year's play. New players, chemistry questions, uh, new coach is a question mark. Smart at the point as the primary ball handler. Playmaker is a massive question mark. Two of our starters already have COVID, um, which could have long haul effects. And so ultimately, you know, it seems like West Fast is just speaking to, yeah, look, people kind of sleeping on us right now it's not like it's completely crazy i'm right completely crazy but the folks that are being rational right now about the question marks surrounding this team and their capacity to be high achievers this season it's based in logic most of my takes are yeah. not but but the thoughts that we could be anywhere in that like you know four to six to even as low as eight if things just don't break right for us you know i think it's fair that has merit like i'm not i'm not looking at those kinds of rankings and ratings and taking it to heart or feeling like we're being slighted because ultimately a lot of that stuff is just like hot air getting blown around anyway you know it's it's a bunch of just kind of ego posturing um ultimately the only thing that matters is is the outcomes of the games and the game's got to get played you know you you don't get to anticipate the final season's records or the champion you know otherwise last year it would have been the nets no question right but shit happens so and the year before that it would have been the warriors and right uh so and well actually two years ago it would have been the warriors when the raptors won rather (laughs) so i mean you never know man you just got to be good enough to be in the mix and i think we're a lot closer to being good enough to be in the mix than we were last year that's for damn sure yeah and whether it has to do with just these young guys that are showing well right now having had you know that past year for whatever that was worth as a learning experience having the, as as close to an off season as they've been able to have in their brief careers so far, yeah. having you know some stability as far as you know the the off season and then training camp and into this preseason, 
or whether it has to do even more intimately with Ime's impact and the role that he's playing coming in as the new coach and putting together this new coaching staff. Um, whatever the reasons are, we are seeing some really good indicators of uh, what could ultimately end up being a really enjoyable season. And it, it, it's kind of felt mm-hmm. like with all the enthusiasm and optimism, we equip ourselves and arm ourselves to the teeth with each season. The last couple few years have been rough. Um, whether it's yeah. been because of just the, the you know the ongoing injuries or you know chemistry issues, whatever it may be, you know I remember when we brought Kemba in initially, we had like a, a brief window of time where everything was just like warm fuzzies and Kemba's the nicest guy in the world and everything's going to be gravy. But ultimately, that was a good year. It was all right. That was a good year. It was all yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. It was all right. <laughs> I don't know that it was last year. We were still we were still chasing Horf, uh, not Horford, uh, Hayward's, um, you yeah. know, health and wellness throughout the season, and then that ultimately didn't you know didn't end up working out in the postseason. It was still just like mired with unfortunate circumstances. So true. Um, you know, true. getting the ability to to sort of see the table get set off the bat right now in in this way with this level of poise and and seeming confidence. It's really exciting um, because last year it felt like we couldn't depend on these young guys for much, if anything. And this year, mm-hmm. it looks like we need to find more room for uh, for them to to shine because they're they're eating up these opportunities and taking full advantage of them. So, spoons, any closing notes that that you have before we uh, we wrap up for today? Uh, shout out Sam Hauser, uh, jumpers looking pure, baby. <laughs> yeah, if if nothing else. You know, and, you know, uh, <laughs> really nothing else. <laughs> well, and so in, in the spirit of quick shout outs to players, we otherwise would probably never reference in any other context. Let me just take a moment. And this this one is for our um, our Australian and New Zealand brethren uh, across the way that couldn't join us this evening. Um, Etwan Moore is a consummate veteran role player. And those gentlemen are know exactly what i mean by that uh etuan moore former boston celtic um and indeed you know steady journeyman but has had one of those like those low-key really kind of productive careers yeah he's good he's good good. consummate yeah veteran role player all right that's gonna uh that's gonna wrap us up for tonight uh Thank you so much. Uh, Again, this is the Celtics Reddit podcast, and we are really grateful that you joined us for this evening. And we're looking forward to uh, the fourth preseason game leading us into the start of this regular season. It really cannot come soon enough. Uh, Spoons, thank you so much for joining us. Let the folks know real quick where they can find you and your work. You can catch me at w spoonie on twitter and then i will always be posting everything i write on the reddit i also got a medium now wayne spoonie on the medium and we're definitely going to be trying to crank out video content on the celtics reddit podcast youtube so check us all out there for sure yep and so for those that aren't aware uh we had been hosting all of our uh video content on timmy 09's youtube channel we have now uh transitioned into our independent channel the celtics reddit podcast 
podcast is live and vibrant on YouTube, so make sure to check us out. You can also find us at Celtics Reddit Pod on Twitter. You can find me uh, at Celtics J6 on Twitter, as well as uh, bouncing all around the Celtics subreddit. So thank you again, everybody, and a pleasant basketball preseason shenanigans. Talk to everyone soon. Peace. Thank you.